Oramai. Good morning. This is Judith Lay welcoming you to Manx Radio and to the podcast of this week's edition of At Your Service. Manx Radio. Today is the first day of the week that the Christian Church calls holy. It begins with a day of great happiness and excitement and ends with the hideously painful execution of a man who did nothing but good throughout his life. But the story doesn't end there. The man who was crucified on the first Good Friday was Jesus, the Son of God, and his rising from the dead three days later, on the first Easter day, is at the very heart of the Christian faith. It shows the depth of God's love for every single one of us, a love that will never let us go. Ride on, ride on in majesty. Huddersfield Choral Society with one of the hymns that will be sung in churches today, Palm Sunday, recalling the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. But so that we can fully appreciate the amazing events of that first Easter Sunday, I think it might be good if we were to walk together day by day through the events of Holy Week, as described by Russell Bolter in the presentation entitled King of the Hill. It was the last week of his life, but of course no one really knew that then. For the last three years Jesus had been preaching and teaching and now his amazing life was about to come to a dramatic end. He'd made many friends, but the religious leaders hated his guts and they schemed to kill him. While he was staying in a little village called Bethany, the Jewish council, the Sanhedrin, were meeting in the high priest's palace to arrange for his arrest and execution. You see, Jesus was a breath of fresh air as he spoke out against religion and its endless rules and regulations. Instead, Jesus talked about abundant life through knowing God, and this new life was for everyone. They'd been watching him a long time Waiting to see him slip Everything they saw They couldn't find a flaw Yet they longed to have him Under their grip 
It was the spring of AD 30, and on Sunday, the first day of the week, Jesus entered Jerusalem on a colt. He rode into the ancient capital city of the Jewish nation. The huge crowds who lined the route were so excited they could hardly contain themselves. They were cheering and celebrating. Some even spread their coats on the dry and dusty road for him to ride over. People picked up palm branches and waved them, shouting, Hosanna in the highest! Here was the King of the Jews. The Messiah. Hosanna in the highest, Messiah King of glory. Hosanna, Son of David, lead the way, lead the way. During the early part of the week, Jesus spent most of the time with his best friends, the disciples. Controversial as ever, Jesus continued to tell the religious leaders that they'd got it all wrong. On Monday, he caused chaos in the temple as he overturned all the market stalls. The stallholders were conning their customers, raising exorbitant profits that went directly to the high priest. These crooks were cheating and misusing the temple, and Jesus just couldn't stand the corruption any longer. He also continued to tell stories about the love of God. On Tuesday, he visited the temple for what was to be the last time. On Wednesday, he spent the last full day with his closest friends, and they laughed and cried together as they reflected on the last three years of the work, the healings, the stories, the people they'd met. The crooked tax collectors, the lepers, the terrorists, the ex-prostitute had actually become one of Jesus' closest friends. And what about the miracles? After all, here was the man who'd walked on water and calmed a storm at sea. He'd helped the disturbed and the possessed. He'd even raised people from the dead. He turned 180 gallons of water into the finest wine at a wedding reception. It really had been an amazing few years. We were there Lost in wonder, stood in awe, standing there As the lame were set free We were there As he held at his hand Came to search for truth and love He spoke to death There lies the open grave Saw him walk Water of the lake and tasted wine. The very best in the land, everyone was drawn to him. How the Be 
On the Thursday, Jerusalem was heaving with two million people celebrating the most holy night of the year for Jews, a festival called Passover. Jesus booked a private room in Jerusalem to spend the evening with his disciples, all together for one last time. They ate hors d'oeuvres of bitter herbs and unleavened bread, and they drank red wine together. After the meal, at around nine o'clock at night, instead of walking home to Bethany where they were staying, Jesus led them on a one-mile journey to the Mount of Olives, eventually stopping in an olive grove called Gethsemane. It was then that the horror of what lay ahead really hit Jesus. He knew his death was imminent. His friends had never seen him like this before. He broke down and wept as he agonized over what was to come. He prayed for hours to prepare himself for the terrible ordeal that he was about to face. Even then he had a choice. He could have walked away. Within just ten minutes he could have been across the Mount of Olives and on the edge of the desert, safe and sound. No one would have ever found him. But instead he chose to stay. Jesus knew that only his death would bring us life. Around midnight, still in Gethsemane, Jesus was arrested by an armed mob. The disciples all ran away. All his friends deserted him. He was taken to the high priest's house in Jerusalem, where he was spat on, interrogated, accused and condemned. At daylight, he was finally sentenced by the high priest, Caiaphas, and sent to the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, who eventually sentenced him to be crucified. His back was torn to shreds by a Roman scourging, and a crown of thorns was pushed onto his head. Later that Friday morning at 9am, Jesus arrived at the execution site called Golgotha, a small hill to the northwest of the city. It was here that they hammered six and a half inch long nails into his hands and feet. As they nailed him to a wooden cross, he prayed for his murderers that God would forgive them. His clothes were divided among the soldiers, and a sign that said King of the Jews was hung above his head. The chief priests and soldiers continued to hurl insults and laugh at him as he hung on the cross, his body bleeding and broken. At noon on that first Good Friday, a strange darkness like an eclipse fell over the whole land. Then at three o'clock that afternoon, Jesus died. There was a sudden and violent earthquake and the curtain in the temple tore from top to bottom. The darkening sky was a supernatural sign to the Romans and other non-Jews, while the tearing of the curtain had great religious significance for the Jews, as the curtain represented separation between God and man. And now it was destroyed. The way back to God was open. Two wealthy friends of Jesus, Joseph and Nicodemus, asked for his body for burial. When he was finally convinced that Jesus was dead, Pilate gave his permission, and night finally settled on one of the darkest days and cruelest crimes in all human history.
Looking back at his life on earth, I suppose in many respects Jesus could be seen as something of a failure. He was born into poverty and he seemed happiest wandering through the small towns and villages surrounding the coast of Galilee, preaching to the poor and unimportant. He didn't even have many friends. In fact, they all eventually abandoned him and one of them even betrayed him. And while he was dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property that he had on earth. There were no wreaths or flowers at his grave, just a crown of thorns. Yet three days later, he was alive again, just as he'd promised. And that's the power of that very first Easter, when through his death and resurrection, Jesus took the punishment our sins deserve and made it possible for us to know God. You see, Jesus was and is the only way to God. His coming into the world proves that God cares and wants to get to know us all. This friendship with God is like a wonderful gift. Whoever, wherever you are, Jesus is for you. Thank you, Russell Bolter. And we'll return to that story, to its amazing conclusion, on Easter Day next Sunday. But how does that story touch our life today? I'm joined now by the Right Reverend Peter Eagles, Bishop of Soda and Man, who, before coming to lead the Anglican Church on the island, served for many years as a military chaplain with a wealth of experience of ministry to people in areas of conflict. So what, I asked him, does he think about at this time that is at the very heart of his Christian faith? I guess what comes to mind for me is the sheer richness of Holy Week and how that reflects the, the richness of human experience and human life. So I think what I would want to say most of all is that the whole human experience is there in Holy Week and it leads towards Easter Day and the joy of the resurrection. And to anyone, I would say, if you are looking for something joyful on Sunday the 17th of April, then I would suggest that church is the best place to look because that is the supreme celebration of, of joy as we celebrate the resurrection of Christ. And in that, the message that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, nothing at all. But to get to that point, of course, we go through Holy Week, beginning, as you say, with Palm Sunday, beginning with the triumphant procession, and then leading through the stories that we read in the scriptures of, of Holy Week, some of them quite challenging and disturbing stories, stories about rejection and betrayal, knowing that one is going to be betrayed and handed over to death. And yet, in the love of Jesus, continuing to love his people, to gather his disciples round him, to celebrate with them the Last Supper that we keep on the Thursday of Holy Week especially. And that's powerful because as, as Jesus does that with the disciples and shares bread and wine with them, says, do this in remembrance of me. Again, it's a reminder that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So I suppose I always embark on Holy Week with a sense of awe. You know, even now at this stage of my life and ministry, when we, when we get to Palm Sunday, I still have butterflies because I just realise how immense and how rich this experience is going to be. And I think the way through it is to listen carefully and attentively to the scriptures of Holy Week and to keep one's eyes fixed firmly on where that will bring us to on Easter Sunday in that joyful resurrection. 
And I guess, again, the richness of all of this is that it is transferable to any context at all. So I've loved Holy Week as a parish priest. Um, I've loved Holy Week throughout my life in ministry. But sometimes, of course, it takes on an extra poignancy. And I suppose some of those themes, those themes that I just mentioned of of love and care, but also of sorrow, of failure, of rejection, of betrayal. They're all part of the human experience. So particularly rich experience, I think I would I would reflect on as a military chaplain, keeping Holy Week with soldiers in a war zone, celebrating the, the communion with them at the time of perhaps one of our people being killed in action or the time of a particularly tough operation where all you can do is, is gather people around and offer them something of the love of God. And you know, I've found that when I've done that and shared with them in communion or in prayers, again, it has given people a sense of hope, a reminder that even in all of this, We are in union, in communion, if you like, with the God who continues to love us through all things. Well, this leads us with particular poignancy to where we find ourselves today with the situation in Ukraine, the images that we are seeing, and the instinctive cry from people who perhaps are not necessarily from a strong faith background to say, where is your God in all of this? The answer is given to us in Holy Week. The answer is there on Good Friday. That's it. That's exactly what we're seeing. If you take that phrase, you know, where is God in the midst of all of this? Those are there in the words of, of, of Jesus on Good Friday. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I suppose, you know, I always thought, what an odd name Good Friday is. It, is. it is a strange name and there are a number of sort of explanations for that name. But in the end, the name speaks for itself. It is good because it reconciles us in Christ with God. It reminds us that there is no no evil or wickedness that cannot be overcome. And it reminds us most of all that that God is there entering into our own experience and sharing with us even even in the suffering of, of of Good Friday, and I suppose as I've seen, what, you know what we've all seen from Ukraine that has been my reflection, and I think some profound scenes of of sorrow and suffering, but actually out of that coming courage and goodness and care for one another as well, which we've seen not just in the people of Ukraine, but actually in the some of the international response to their need. And wherever there is badness, wherever there is evil, it is always possible to discern the opposite of that, the counter-reaction to that. And actually, maybe another message from, from Good Friday particularly, but Holy Week entirely, is that good will emerge out of evil. Evil will not prevail. Good will overcome. And whilst there may be human suffering that we find hugely difficult to explain at the time, Good Friday says to us, hold all of this within the context of a loving God who suffered for you, but holds out that promise of the joy of the resurrection to you as well. Bishop, thank you very much indeed. During this Holy Week, is there a hymn that you find particularly touching, particularly affecting at this time? Yes, and thanks for asking that question, which I'm going to sort of answer in in, in three phases, if I may. I love the joyful hymns of Easter Day. There are hymns that we use on, on Good Friday, There is a Green Hill Far Away, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross. Those are beautiful, powerful hymns as well. But as the answer to your question, it would be the hymn Praise to the Holiest in the Height, which I first heard in its fullness, I suppose, on Maundy Thursday, 
when the church gathers to celebrate, with particular emphasis, the Eucharist of the Last Supper. We wear white vestments, which then are put away until Easter Day. There's a a moment of renewed joy at the beginning of all of that. And that great poem, Praise to the Holiest in the Height, written by John Henry Newman, to use that as a hymn on Maundy Thursday, speaking of the holiness of Christ, of the one who took our nature upon himself and suffered for us. And then at the end, the repetition of the first verse again, praise to the holiest in the height and in the depth be praise in all his works, most wonderful, most sure in all his ways. I think that's what I'll hold on to this Holy Week. Praise to the holiest in the height. The choice of my guest, Bishop Peter, and my thanks to Bishop Peter for joining us today to share some thoughts for this Holy Week. As Bishop Peter said earlier, if you want to celebrate Easter joyfully, any church would be a good place to go to next weekend, and you'll find services all over the island next Sunday. To find service details, look for posters on community notice boards in your area, or search using the name of your local church on social media. You'll find lots of information there. 
So let's take a look at our Holy Week and Easter notice board. All services and special events have one thing in common, a warm welcome for everyone. And if you've never been to anything in a church before, now would be a great time to give it a try. This afternoon in Port Erin Methodist Church in Station Road, Meadowside Choral Society will perform The Cross of Christ, an hour of well-known Easter hymns, anthems and readings that's a perfect preparation for Holy Week. It starts at three o'clock this afternoon, and whilst admission is free, a retiring collection will be taken to help a Ukrainian refugee family settling in Poland. Their direct connection with Port Erin Methodist Church will be explained during this afternoon's service. Meadowside Choral Society is under the direction of Mr Mike Porter, and Gareth Moore will be the organist. This may well be the last opportunity to hear the wonderful Moses Morgan church organ at its very best. Port Erin Methodist Church has been sold, and the organ will be going to a Catholic church in Poland in July. Looking now to the rest of the week, and St James's Church in Dalby offer several ways to mark this special week. Tomorrow, Monday the 11th, they're showing the BBC production of The Passion, telling the story of the last week in the life of Jesus. There's no need to book, refreshments will be served throughout the evening, and whilst there's no admission charge, donations would be much appreciated. The evening starts at half past six and will end around a quarter past ten. The traditional Easter communion at Dolby Church will be on Easter Sunday evening at half past six, but ahead of that, you're invited to Easter morning sunrise at Crunk Nieri Lay. Meet at the car park on the bend at the top of the Slock Road at 5.35am on Easter Sunday morning to walk to the top of Crunk Nieri Lay for sunrise at 6.05. Please bring breakfast, hot drinks and wear warm clothing. Everyone is welcome, including dogs on leads. Here in Douglas, on Easter Sunday, St Thomas's will be one of the Douglas churches taking part in the Easter sunrise service on the beach opposite the end of Broadway and that starts at quarter to six on Easter Sunday morning. It'll finish around half past six and then it's back up to St Thomas's in Finch Road to share an early breakfast. St Thomas's have a family communion service with an Easter egg hunt for the youngsters starting at 11 on Easter Sunday morning. And before that service, brunch will be available from half past nine. At Trinity Methodist Church at Rosemount here in Douglas on Good Friday the 15th at half past ten, Reverend Dr Janet Corlett will lead a service when Trinity will welcome friends from St Andrew's United Reformed Church to join them. Then on Easter Sunday, also at half past ten, at Trinity Methodist Church, there'll be an Easter celebration service led by Reverend Richard Hooten, including Holy Communion, and with special music led by an augmented choir, all under the direction of organist and choirmaster Gareth Moore. St George's Church in Upper Church Street here in Central Douglas, on Good Friday afternoon at two o'clock, there's a service entitled At the Foot of the Cross, and the Easter Day Holy Communion in St George's is next Sunday at half past ten. Onken Methodist Church have two services on Easter Day, an early communion at 8am and a family service at half past ten, with an Easter breakfast at 9am after the early communion and before the family service. Moving along the road to Laxey now, and their walk of witness begins with a short service in Christ Church in Laxey at 10am on Good Friday morning. That'll be followed by a walk of witness to Agnish Chapel, where there'll be a service at noon, followed by light refreshments. 
and there's a sunrise service in Laxey. Greet the dawn on Laxey Promenade at 6am on Easter Sunday morning and this will be followed around a quarter to seven by Bacon Butties from the Laxey Beach Cafe. The Easter Sunday main morning service in Christchurch Laxey will be at half past ten. And the Easter Sunday sunrise service in Ramsey is at 6am on the shore opposite Ramsey Lifeboat Station with sausage baps in St Paul's Church Lounge afterwards. And that's all that we have time for now. But I'll be back in the studio tonight from 9 for sundown. So do please join me if you can as we share some easy listening music to round off your weekend. Please email me if you've got items for the notice board. My email address is judithlay at manxradio.com. So till whenever we meet again, this is Judith saying thank you for listening and I wish you and those you love a truly blessed and meaningful holy week and a very good morning. The Nation Station